Part two of Four Hymns by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. And him in honor of beauty. Ah, oh, whither, love, wilt thou now carry me? What wantless fury dost thou now inspire into my feeble breast, too full of thee? Whilst seeking to aslake thy raging fire, thou in me kindlest much more great desire, and up aloft above my strength doth raise the wondrous matter of my fire to praise. That as I erst in praise of thine own name, so now, in honour of thy mother dear, an honourable hymn I eke should frame, and with the brightness of her beauty clear, the ravished hearts of gazeful men might rear to admiration of that heavenly light from whence proceeds such soul-enchanting might. Thereto, do thou, great goddess, queen of beauty, mother of love and of all worlds delight, without whose sovereign grace and kindly duty nothing on earth seems fair to fleshly sight, do thou vouchsafe with thy love-kindling light to illuminate my dim and dulled eyne, and beautify this sacred hymn of thine, that both to thee, to whom I mean it most, and eke to her whose there immortal beam hath darted fire into my feeble ghost, that now it wasted is with woes extreme, it may so please that she at length will stream some dew of grace into my withered heart, after long sorrow and consuming smart. What time this world's great workmaster did cast to make all things such as we now behold, it seems that he before his eyes had placed a goodly pattern to whose perfect mould he fashioned them as comely as he could that now so fair and seemly they appear as not may be amended anywhere. That wondrous pattern, wheresoe'er it be, whether in earth laid up in secret store, or else in heaven that no man may it see with sinful eyes, for fear it do to floor, is perfect beauty, which all men adore, whose face and feature doth so much excel all mortal sense that none the same may tell. Thereof, as every earthly thing partakes, or more or less, by influence divine, so it more fair accordingly it makes, and the gross matter of this earthly mind which closeth it, thereafter doth refine, doing away the dross which dims the light of that fair beam which therein is impight. For through infusion of celestial power the duller earth it quickeneth with the light, and lifeful spirits privily doth pour through all the parts, that to the looker's sight they seem to please. That is thy sovereign might, O Cyprian Queen, which, flowing from the beam of thy bright star, thou into them dost stream. That is the thing which giveth pleasant grace to all things fair, that kindleth lively fire, light of thy lamp, which, shining in the face, thence to the soul darts amorous desire, and robs the hearts of those which it admire. Therewith thou pointest thy son's poisoned arrow, that wounds the life and wastes the inmost marrow. How vainly, then, do idle wits invent that beauty is naught else but mixture made of colours fair, and goodly temperament of pure complexions, that shall quickly fade and pass away, like to a summer shade or that it is but comely composition of parts well measured with meat disposition. 
hath white and red in it such wondrous power that it can pierce through thighs unto the heart and therein stirs such rage and restless stour as naught but death can stint his dolor smart or can proportion of the outward part move such affection in the inward mind that it can rob both sense and reason blind why do not then the blossoms of the field which are arrayed with much more orient hue and to the sense most dainty odours yield work like impression in the looker's view or why do not fair pictures like power show in which oft times we nature see of art excelled in perfect limbing every part but ah believe me there is more than so that works such wonders in the minds of men i that have often proved too well it know and whoso list the like assays to can shall find by trial and confessed then that beauty is not as fond men misdeem an outward show of things that only seem for that same goodly hue of white and red with which the cheeks are sprinkled shall decay and those sweet rosy leaves so fairly spread upon the lips shall fade and fall away to that they were even to corrupted clay that golden wire those sparkling stars so bright shall turn to dust and lose their goodly light but that fair lamp from whose celestial ray that light proceeds which kindleth lovers fire shall never be extinguished nor decay but when the vital spirits do aspire unto her native planet shall retire for it is heavenly born and cannot die being a parcel of the purest sky for when the soul the which derived was at first out of that great immortal sprite by whom all lived to love while ohm did pass down from the top of purest heaven's height to be embodied here it then took light and lively spirits from that fairest star which lights the world forth from his fiery car which power retaining still or more or less when she in fleshly seed is eft embraced note afterwards planted return to text through every part she doth the same impress according as the heavens have her graced and frames her house in which she will be placed fit for herself adorning it with spoil of heavenly riches which she robbed erewhile thereof it comes that these fair souls which have the most resemblance of that heavenly light frame to themselves most beautiful and brave their fleshly bower most fit for their delight and the gross matter by a sovereign might temper so trim that it may well be seen a palace fit for such a virgin queen so every spirit as it is most pure and hath in it the more of heavenly light so it the fairer body doth procure to habit in and it more fairly dight with cheerful grace and amiable sight for of the soul the body form doth take for soul is form and doth the body make therefore wherever that thou dost behold a comely corpse with beauty fair endued know this for certain that the same doth hold a beauteous soul with fair conditions viewed fit to receive the seed of virtue strewed for all that fair is is by nature good that is a sign to know the gentle blood 
yet oft it falls that many a gentle mind dwells in a deformed tabernacle drowned either by chance against the course of kind or through unaptness in the substance found which it assumed of some stubborn ground that will not yield unto her form's direction but is deformed with some foul imperfection and oft it falls i me the more to rue that goodly beauty all be heavenly born is foul abused and that celestial hue which doth the world with her delight adorn made but the bait of sin and sinner scorn whilst every one doth seek and sue to have it but every one doth seek but to deprave it yet now the more is it fair beauty's blame but theirs that do abuse it unto ill nothing so good but that through guilty shame may be corrupt and rested unto will nathless the soul is fair and beauteous still however flesh's fault it filthy make for things immortal no corruption take but ye fair dames the world's dear ornaments and lively images of heaven's light let not your beams with such disparagements be dimmed and your bright glory darkened quite but mindful still of your first country's sight do still preserve your first informant grace whose shadow yet shines in your beauteous face loathe that foul blot that hellish firebrand disloyal lust fair beauty's foulest blame that base affections which your ears would bland commend to you by love's abused name but is indeed the bond-slave of defame which will the garland of your glory mar and quench the light of your bright shining star but gentle love that loyal is and true will more illumine your resplendent ray and add more brightness to your goodly hue from light of his pure fire which by the way kindled of yours your likeness doth display like as two mirrors by opposed reflection do both express the face's first impression therefore to make your beauty more appear it you behooves to love and forth to lay that heavenly riches which in you ye bear that men the more admire their fallen may for else what booteth that celestial ray if it in darkness be enshrined ever that it of loving eyes be viewed never but in your choice of loves this well advise that likest to yourselves ye them select the which your form's first source may sympathize and with like beauty's parts be inly decked for if you loosely love without respect it is not love but a discordant war whose unlike parts amongst themselves do jar for love is a celestial harmony of likely hearts composed of stars consent note of similar hearts combined by stars consent returned a text which join together in sweet sympathy to work each other's joy and true content which they have harboured since their first descent out of their heavenly bowers where they did see and know each other here beloved to be then wrong it were that any other twain should in love's gentle band combined be but those whom heaven did at first ordain and made out of one mould the more degree for all that like the beauty which they see straight do not love for love is not so light as straight to burn at first beholder's sight 
but they which love indeed look otherwise with pure regard and spotless true intent drawing out of the object of their eyes a more refined form which they present unto their mind void of all blemishment which it producing to her first perfection beholdeth free from flesh's frail infection and then conforming it unto the light which in itself it hath remaining still of that first sun yet sparkling in his sight thereof he fashions in his higher skill and heavenly beauty to his fancy's will and it embracing in his mind entire the mirror of his own thought doth admire which seeing now so inly fair to be as outward it appeareth to the eye and with his spirit's proportion to agree he thereon fixeth all his fantasy and fully setteth his felicity counting it fairer than it is indeed and yet indeed her fairness doth exceed for lovers eyes more sharply sighted be than other men's and in dear love's delight see more than any other eyes can see through mutual receipt of bemis bright which carry privy message to the sprite and to their eyes that inmost fair display as plain as light discovers dawning day therein they see through amorous eye glances armies of love still flying to and fro which dart at them their little fiery lances whom having wounded back again they go carrying compassion to their lovely foe who seeing her fair eyes so sharp effect cures all their sorrows with one sweet aspect in which how many wonders do they read to their conceit that others never see now of her smiles with which their souls they feed like gods with nectar in their banquets free now of her looks which like to cordials be but when her words embassad forth she sends lord how sweet music that unto them lends sometimes upon her forehead they behold a thousand graces masking in delight sometimes within her eyelids they unfold ten thousand sweet bell guards which to their sight do seem like twinkling stars in frosty night but on her lips like rosy buds in may so many millions of chaste pleasures play all those o cytherea and thousands more thy handmaids be which do on thee attend to deck thy beauty with their dainty store that it may more to mortal eyes commend and make it more admired of foe than friend that in men's hearts thou mayst thy throne install and spread thy lovely kingdom over all then i o triumph o great beauty's queen advance the banner of thy conquest high that all this world the which thy vassals been may draw to thee and with due fealty adore the power of thy great majesty singing this hymn in honour of thy name compiled by me which thy poor liegeman am in you whereof grant o great sovereign that she whose conquering beauty doth captive my trembling heart in her eternal chain one drop of grace at length will to me give that i her bounden thrall by her may live and this same life which first from me she reaved may owe to her of whom i it received and you fair venus darling my dear dread fresh flower of grace great goddess of my life 
when your fair eyes these fearful lines shall read deign to let fall one drop of due relief that may recure my heart's long pining grief and show what wondrous power your beauty hath that can restore a damned wight from death End of part two of four hymns by Edmund Spencer, recording by Thomas Copeland.